0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to a special edition of Mongols brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kev, and we swapped one president for another. We got rid of the Steel Army president. We got the the Riverhounds team, (laughs) Jeff Garter, with us. Jeff, thanks for joining us, man.
1: Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I've heard so much about you guys and certainly follow you on social media. So it's nice to be able to chat a little bit and get to know a little bit about you and and, uh, learn more about our fans and and, uh, the Riverhounds
2: so yeah welcome home you're originally from york pa you went to robert morris university um i'm actually so i i do this podcast i currently live in knoxville tennessee but i was born and raised in pittsburgh and spent most of my life there um so when you realized you were coming back to pittsburgh uh what's the what's the first thing that you wanted to do eat see uh like for example like every time i go home uh and you do not need to get this specific specific, obviously but like i love going Uh to i know right I love going to like Minio's and Squirrel Hill and Jerry's records right next to it or something, get a pizza and go, you know, record. So is there something that you kind of look, look looked forward to coming back to Pittsburgh? Sure,
1: sure. And I spent most of 15 years in Altoona and State College, which is not exactly Western Pennsylvania, but on the edge of it, probably certainly, you know, Steelers and Pirates and Penguins and Riverhounds country. Um, so I, you know, I went to college here, as you mentioned, met my wife here uh, in uh, Moon uh, at the campus at Robert Morris. It certainly has changed a lot in the twenty-plus years since since we graduated. I was excited to come back to see the changes, as I mentioned, Altoo. Now now we would come back occasionally on weekends. So I, you know, it's not like I have have been gone completely for years. So, but I, I think the the growth of Pittsburgh and how the city has changed and matured and, 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 you know, the fan base has changed a little bit. I think that's been fascinating and it's been really exciting to show my kids in particular. I mean, there's things that I'm excited about, but which I'll, I'll share, but I think like being able to explain what permani brothers is to my daughter and say, <laughs> and this probably isn't good for a 14 year old, but I'm like, I'm going to take you there at 2am just so you can see what's happening <laughs> at 2am and not one of the other locations, one of the original ones. So uh, I think there's things like Permanee's. It was great to, to be on campus at Robert Morris recently and show my kids, you know, I, I was in that dorm as a freshman and, you know, walked down this street and played football in that stadium and those kind of things. So I think it's been really exciting to share part of my past and my wife's past. And we met here and, you know, fell in love. I know that sounds cheesy, but fell in love here. And I think to be able to share that with our family and our kids and some of those areas and spots and places that have meant so much to us um has been really exciting and uh, a big part of coming back here it feels like we've come full circle where my career over 20 years has taken me all over the country and had all kinds of great experiences in different sports and different roles and it feels like this is home uh and we're back and i can't wait to finish raising my kids here and have them my daughter's going into high school my son's going into you know middle school sixth grade and so it's a perfect time for us to really settle down be here for a long time and really enjoy raising a family in Pittsburgh, which is what Pittsburgh is so well-known for. It's such a great place to to do with family. So it's exciting to be here and to share all of that with our kids and ultimately to share the Riverhounds with our kids and all the advancements that that have happened there, to see the stadium growth and the brand growth since we left in 2000 when the Riverhounds were just starting, um, and to see Montour Junction coming online. I think those are things that are, are really exciting as we start to look forward, not just back.
2: Yeah, before we get to that, too, I mean, yeah, to touch upon you mentioned um, where your career is taking you. Um, So uh, from looking at Orange County for a second, what's what's some of the biggest things that you've learned in your three years at Orange County?
1: Geez, I learned a whole lot more about the game of soccer and the role of the USL in the landscape of U.S. soccer. You know, coming into it, I did not have much of a background in soccer. I was exposed to a little bit of it at Penn State. We won a a women's national championship while I was there. Um, But that was really my only exposure. And so being at Orange County, where we had a similar size stadium, um, we had a a team that just like Pittsburgh has been successful on the field, was always in the hunt for the playoffs Um, and to win a championship there. I think I learned certainly what it takes to win at this level. And with Oliver Vies, our general manager in Orange County, really learned the importance of development and the role of of the USL championship and even League One and League Two as an alternate to MLS and MLS Academy and where I think the USL and the future of US soccer lies. And I couldn't break down a game for you strategically, but I think learning as much as I did at Orange County about the development and some of the players that we've sent on to Europe and Mexico and, and, you know, uh, other places in global soccer, I think I'm really bullish and excited, and I would have never thought I'd end up in the game of U.S. soccer. But I'm really excited what the next few years of the USL looks like, uh, and I'm officially an MLS hater. So, <laughs> 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 I'll say it publicly.
2: <laughs> Speaking a little bit, I mean, you mentioned you know similar sized stadiums, you know the focus on youth development. Um, thinking a little bit about maybe the kind of cultural similarities and or differences between you know what it might take to be successful in southern california versus what it might take to be successful in in pittsburgh what do you what do you think about that
1: i think it depends what you prioritize Um, you know the the majority of my role and my priority in orange county was getting people in the stadium was trying to find ways to use the stadium and create revenue to help support development Um, oliver's priority was to develop Uh, professional soccer players that could go on through the pathway and play at the highest levels uh, and create transfer fees and and revenue streams that way. So while every market is unique and different, and certainly Pittsburgh and Orange County, California are about as different as you could possibly be. um, I think the fundamentals that I've learned and and employed in my 20 plus years in sports, the things that I did at Penn State, the things I did at the Altoona Curve, the things I did at the Myrtle Beach Pelicans or Texas Rangers, whatever it may be, I think a lot of those things play here and it's creating value and creating experience for fans when they come, that they have a great customer service experience, that win or lose, they enjoy themselves and they feel like they've gotten a great value. Everybody works hard for their money, particularly families, but everybody. And so when they choose to spend their money here at Highmark Stadium, let's make sure they have a great time. and. Probably our most important role is that we can create memories for families, right? I've, I had an old boss used to say, We're not in the baseball business, we're in the memory making business. And I absolutely 100% believe that. Those moments throughout a game when you can see kids and parents together, maybe it's on the field after the game, or it's in the stands, or maybe it's getting kids out on the field pregame with the Uh, uh, the team tunnel, those kind of moments are the things that is why we do what we do. And I think those hold true regardless of what market you're in. Now, the nuance of maybe how you market those things and how you present those things, I think that changes a little bit. Um, But I'm really excited to be in Pittsburgh, a city that's known for its sports fans and known for its loyalty. And so I think to be able to play to that and make sure that we are uh, a brand that Pittsburgh can be proud of that we do right by our fans and that we provide a great experience. And that when our players go out on the field, they do everything they can to win the game. I think that's that's our duty and I think why we're here. And you know, part of, I think what we carry as we go forward as a priority for our fans and, and I think what makes the future so bright.
2: And Mike, I have a quick comment before I pass it over to you for, for more questions. Yeah, I mean like from, in, in response to the memory making business here, yeah, I mean, I unfortunately can't make it to games as often as I would like, but I constantly watch and, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the quote unquote, you know, like product of Highmark Stadium. You know on tv especially on like nice nights in pittsburgh with the Mm -hmm. backdrop and the fans in stadium people having fun it's 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 it seems like it's a pretty good base to start from from the memory making business (laughs) it's a high mark i think already kind of produces some some nice memories but yeah go ahead mike and
1: and we've had we've had such a rich history here and not all of the usl teams and not even the mls teams can really say that right we've been around since 1999 in some form or another there's a lot of history to be proud of um, and that's something that I think that we should actually do a better job sort of uh, memorializing around the stadium and in our experience and be, be very proud of that history because not all teams have it. So I think you'll see more of that as we go forward and sort of some of those moments that everybody remembers, certain games, certain goals. Let's make sure that we, that we can feel that around the stadium and as we create new ones.
0: Yeah. I mean, with all of this emphasis on community, we did put out a poll the other day where we asked, you know, basically there was a lot of great videos. We've all seen them of the players on the field. We've been there, the players on the field interacting with the fans. And so just, we threw out a hypothetical on Twitter. Um, you know, for those of you who aren't following us, go follow at Mongols on Twitter. We do a new poll every single day, but we basically said, look, if you gave up that close relationship with the community, so there's no more going on the field, there's no more high-fiving players. There's none of that. But in return, we would get back-to-back titles, would you take it? And 46% of the people who voted said no, the community means more. So Jeff, your thoughts on sort of that? I was a bit, I was. I thought that more people would take the titles. I personally voted for the community, but I just assume more people would take the titles. What's your reaction to that?
1: Well, well, now you've upped the ante by offering back-to-back titles. So that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I don't know, you might wanna redo that and see how it comes back you know, I, th- I think that probably goes to the makeup of our fan base. And I think we probably have a percentage of fans, and I have no idea yet what that number is, that are absolutely 100% here for football and to watch the match and to be, you know, dead set on whatever's happening on the field and that live and die with the results. Then there's also a group of fans that are here for the community aspect. They're here for a great night out with their family or their colleagues or their friends or whatever it may be. They're here to make memories, right? So I think those are the people, and maybe it's half, that are here for a cold beer and a nice night out, um, you know, with fairly easy in and out parking and and, uh, traffic and in and out of the stadium and a good seat and and sort of a close, interactive kind of experience, then whether we win or lose or what happens on the field. Um, And I think we need to play to both audiences, right? We need to make sure that, again, we're putting forth maximum effort on the field and that We are focused on winning matches and winning a championship, but that also regardless of what happens on the field, we're going to make sure that our fans have a good time in the stadium. And I think there are certainly the framework is there. There are certainly already some good things that have happened. Um, There's a lot of, you know, we'll call it low hanging fruit. There's a lot of opportunity out there as well to make that experience even better. Um, I I know bathrooms under the the bleachers are a big request. (laughs) I've heard a bunch of times. But there's a million other things, and some of it is small, some of it is details. Um, and so I think over the last two and a half weeks or so that I've been here in the first two games that I physically have been here for, and certainly what we did in Orange County over the past three years, we focused on the details and making sure that the things that we did, we tried to do them the best that we could and make sure that we had uh, you know, we were fan-centric and had fans in mind and to try to make things easy for them, make it a good experience. And then where we could find opportunities to make big changes. We tried to do that as well. And there's certainly some of those opportunities here at the stadium, you know, limited in the remaining days of 2022, but certainly for 2023. And then as we look forward, you know, Tuffy and I have talked about a lot of different plans for, um, you know, what the stadium could look like in a few years.
0: That was, you're sort of like leading into my next question, which is great. Kevin and I, we will never be in sort of the position that you're in right now. And obviously you're coming, you mentioned you've been here for a few weeks now. Can you just describe your process a little bit? You know, you're coming into a new team. Um, How do you assess those opportunities? How do you determine, you know, what is the priority? Um, Just, you know, let us into your head a little bit. How do you, how do you figure that stuff out?
1: I mean, I I think it's pretty straightforward. And it's what most, I hope what most people would do. It's a lot of listening, right? I can come in here with 20 years of experience and make a a bunch of assumptions. And some of them might be right. Um, But the more I listen, I think the more information I gather, uh, we're in the middle of the season. So I can't necessarily wait around and sort of assess for six months and then decide what to do. It's a little bit of both. How much can I gather? How much can I talk to fans? How much can I hear from staff? How much can I put that information together and help to prioritize it. You know, not just the club, Highmark Stadium, Montour Junction, RDA. How are all those things fitting together? Um, I certainly need to listen to those things, but I also need to look for um, opportunities for easy wins, quick fixes. Where are some details that we can clean up and change and start to build infrastructure, right? We are growing. We're going to continue to grow. We have very aggressive plans, I think, for expanding as we get into 2023 and beyond. If we don't have the infrastructure in place to support that, then things start to crack and things start to you know, fall through the cracks. And that's certainly something that we don't want to happen. That's not going to provide a good fan experience or a good Academy experience. So I think as we build infrastructure, it's not the sexiest thing, right? And it might not even be particularly visible to everybody, but it will be hugely important as we continue to scale up and we continue to add things that we have the infrastructure in place to do it. So I'm listening and try to understand what are those points of pain for for fans and for staff, and how do we alleviate those? Are there quick fixes to some of those things? And for the long-term things, do we have the infrastructure in place to support it from, you know, by 2025? And if we add a few thousand seats, and what do we need to make that successful rather than be reactive? You know i i think i'll address one of the things that probably is of concern maybe it's not but i've heard a little bit of it is there's been a lot of transition here particularly in my seat right you've had a couple different presidents that have come and gone um and i think consistency will be very important as we go forward um you know i think everybody in this seat has probably had different approaches and said and promised different things and some of those things i realize that the only way um, I'll gain that trust is to be here. Right. So some of it, you know, time will tell. And as I'm here longer, believe me, if we go anywhere, my wife will, will literally kill me. And I'm putting that on the record (laughs) just in case anything (laughs) happens. You guys know who it was, Yeah. but you know, I, I, I'm the priority or the, the, the possibility and the opportunity in front of us is so exciting to me. It's why I moved from literally the beach in Southern California with palm trees and beautiful weather, that's why I moved back to this area because of the opportunity that exists in this market with all the pieces that are in place here. Um, And so that's why I'm really excited to be here and plan to be here. And that consistency alone, I think will actually bring a lot of improvement because you'll, you'll get to sort of share in the same vision, be a part of building that and we'll get to do this together rather than getting to know somebody else every year or two.
0: I was gonna say in in the five plus years that we've been doing the show, I think we've probably talked to five or six team presidents at this point. Yeah. So everything that you're saying makes total sense. One of the things that was that's always been interesting about sort of past presidents is that none of them had a USL background. That we either come from baseball or football or college or something else. You obviously have the experience when you step into a situation where um, you know it is USL, it is soccer. You have the the background in in other sports as well. Is there a secret? saucers there's something that sets the usl apart from those other things that you think you can look at and be like nope we got to fix that because this is usl specific or do you think that that, well go ahead i'll I'll let you i'll let you go from there
1: yeah no no I, i absolutely there is um You know, the style of play and the continuity of play is a part of it, right? Baseball, you you play an inning, you stop for uh, 90 seconds, you play another inning, you stop, it's slow. There's a lot of opportunities to do fan prompts and, you know, promotions and different things that doesn't exist in soccer, right? You are going, going, going. And anything you're trying to do during play, you know, you border on taking attention away from the game, right? And so there's clubs out there like Las Vegas, for instance, that blur that line quite a bit, i i like being creative and like coming up with great promotions and creating great memories and great experiences but i try to tread that line very carefully that what's happening in the game is the game and that's not our world right that's that's for the players and coach to be involved and make that happen we are there to support that experience we're there to support the game and so enhance it for fans you you likely not on purpose at least will see us sort of playing over things or trying to get too involved in the game. Um, So we have a couple opportunities, pregame, halftime and post game where we can really shine from a fan experience standpoint. And so that's different than other sports, right? It's a very short window. The whole experience is maybe three hours, right? You get two hours of a game. Maybe you come a little bit early. If you're here for the tailgate, maybe you have four hours, but it's a condensed experience. And so we don't have a lot of time to get you in, make sure you have a great time and get you home safely. And so I think that approach is a little bit different in how we and how we do that. And then I think the biggest difference is. We are not in control of the atmosphere as much as we would like to be our fans, are control of the atmosphere, right? Steel Army is in charge of the atmosphere, our supporters groups, unlike any other sport, you know, got the NBA, you play music all through the game and you can sort of fake it and, you know, add sound and do those things we really can't do much of that so we can enhance the game but if our fans aren't into the game you know it's it's a little quiet right and it's hard to sort of build that up so i think we have to make sure that we provide opportunities for our fans to get into the game to make it easy for them uh, and to make sure that they bring the atmosphere and we rely on them we can't we can't fake it we can't control it it's up to our fans to make sure that the atmosphere and and that we're providing sort of home field advantage for the players um, so we have some responsibility and trying to make that easy for fans. And then certainly the fans have the responsibility of bringing the
0: noise, right? Yeah. So no mattresses on the sidelines or llamas at halftime. Good. Glad to hear it. Perfect.
1: Well, see halftime, I'm okay with halftime. It's between the lines while the clock is running. I draw the line, but so don't no, rule no out llamas. anything at halftime.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You mentioned Vegas, you know, obviously being involved with the USO, you've interacted with other presidents, are there other teams, as, as we try to get a sense of sort of what to expect, and obviously I'm I'm fully on board for sort of sitting back, you have sort of said everything right up to this point in my mind, but are there other teams that you sort of look to and you say like, they're doing a great job, or you sort of draw some ideas from inspiration, or is it more every market is different and you're just going to try to come in and do something completely unique?
1: I mean, markets are different from a marketing standpoint, but like I said before, I think from a experience standpoint and sort of what professional sports teams should deliver to their fans, I think that's pretty standard. Um, I think stadiums are very different in the USL. And so, you know, I don't wanna admit this publicly, but you go to the stadium in Louisville, they've got a fantastic setup, a fantastic stadium. They do a really good job. They do a good job in the community. You know, I'm separating it from what happens on the field, and I hope they lose every game. But <laughs> I, I, from a from a professional standpoint and from a franchise standpoint, they're setting a pretty high standard. I think Louisville is a team to keep an eye on and to I don't want to say emulate, but certainly to compete with when it comes to you know the business side and when it comes to fan experience. You know, I lean a little bit to the west because that's where I've been the past few years. So. Teams like Oakland, who's who's joined the league a few years ago, does a great job in marketing. Now they've bounced around stadiums and, you know, the fan experience is a little bit different, but some of the other things they've done have been great. San Diego has done a great job getting off the ground the past few years. Um, New Mexico does a great job. Um, so I think those are some of the teams that I look at. Um, I can probably pull something from every team, though. Uh, you know, I think it's it's across the board that every team does certain things well and maybe some other things not so well so i think if we can find opportunities to pick off all the good stuff then i have no problem stealing things and taking good ideas and making them our own and delivering them for our fans and so that's you you know don't don't uh, hold it against me if i blatantly rip off other teams i will admittedly do that
2: yeah if it works (laughs) it works no i mean exactly from from the louisville thing too i mean that's something that i've kind of mentioned before going back years at least on the field i have less Concern and insight on off the field club dynamics, but we've always said like we know once we consistently finish above Louisville, we've you know done a pretty pretty damn mm-hmm. good job in the, in the East Conference. Going over, you've you've mentioned uh, the Montour Complex now a couple of times. You mentioned some infrastructure stuff. I mean, you 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 mentioned infrastructure not being sexy. Well, this demographic loves infrastructure. Talk, so. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> So uh, have you been uh, to the Montre Complex yet? And do you have a sense of how that compares to what other teams offer in the USL?
1: Yeah, of course. I, you know, I came out when I visited a few months ago, um, was blown away. I mean, I had an expectation and some, seen some pictures, but to actually you know, stand inside and to look at the uh, progress that's been made uh, and then to be in there, we had a, a tournament there last weekend And so i was up there friday night and it's continuing to come along and we're you know probably getting into october i know the timeline has shifted a few times and moved but what construction project doesn't have that um it it's really exciting to see that open i think it's very competitive with any other training ground in in the usl i think it opens the door from a academy standpoint uh to set ourselves even further apart uh, as sort of the professional and elite academy option in, in Pittsburgh and in Western Pennsylvania, which hopefully continues to draw great players and we can look to develop them into our pathway and, and eventually to our first team. I think it provides great assets for our first team from a training standpoint and from a facility uh, standpoint. It helps it, I think it helps us attract great players uh, as we go out and recruit and try to bring people in. Um, for the kids and the community that will be using it, whether it's flag football or lacrosse or soccer, I think it's a great community asset. Uh, You know, we're my daughter and actually my wife is teaching at Olsh, which is right up the hill. And so I drive by almost every day um, and to see the amount of usage that's already happening and all the kids that are on that field, I think that's only gonna continue to grow. I think using it as a uh, introduction to multicultural marketing, particularly the Hispanic market in Coriopolis, but in other parts of Pittsburgh too, to be able to use the game of soccer to bring these communities together i think we've already seen some of that with some adult leagues that play there on sunday so sky's the limit not only though does does montour add all those benefits it actually moves some of our training activities from highmark out to montour and it allows us to use highmark in a different way so i think you'll see more events and more diverse events at the stadium that we may not be able to do necessarily right now because of availability because we're training here uh, and that that has taken priority, rightfully, so. So I think there's you know the effect sort of ripples through the whole organization. And it's really exciting to think about like, great, now we have more space at Highmark Stadium. What are we going to do? What can we bring in? Beer fests and wing fests and music and concerts and there's all the basic stuff, but geez, flea markets and swap meets and movies on the pitch, and, you know, coming out to watch firework shows and bringing a blanket and being able to sit on the field or, you know, all, all kinds of great ideas of how to use the stadium. And some of that's been done, some of it hasn't. I think you'll continue to see some of that uh, pop up as we go forward in, this year and then definitely into 2023 as we go forward. Snowball fights. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's so a I thing, guess, right? You could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Guards for a giant snowball fight. Especially hey, in Pittsburgh
2: yeah. after uh, being in Orange County, right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get a, a quick small question too. Um, I guess like because so far, at least for me, uh, like the, the Montour Complex is still a little bit kind of shrouded in, in mystery. Like on a basic level, is there like Riverhound like signage that like people see as they come in and, and kind of get that exposure?
1: I feel like you have been peeking at my notes. Um, <laughs> I swear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's some of the unfinished and some of the you know easy fixes that I was talking about. I think there's some opportunities there where no, if you go out there right now, you don't see a lot of River Hounds. a little bit, you know, there's, but not enough, not nearly enough. And I think it's easy to say, hey, as we finish and you know, sort of the uh, the look and feel, the bells and whistles are some of the things that go in at the end uh, and the aesthetic stuff. I think there's some easy stuff we could do right now to make sure that that Montour Junction is associated with the River Hounds and with the Academy, and that people understand that this all connects and goes together, and that there's a pathway here. Um, and that it's a contribution to the community as well, that the Riverhounds are connected to the community. So it's a great marketing opportunity that quite honestly, we're not taking advantage of as of this past weekend uh, at the tournament, but that has already been a conversation since I was there Friday night that let's look at some opportunities to get basic stuff there like signage. Let's get ammo out there when we have a tournament. And, you know, some of those families are not from the Pittsburgh area and they may not be in town to buy tickets or to come to an event later. Um, but it doesn't matter, right? Like let's let them go back and say, what a great time we had in Pittsburgh and we met the mascot and we know who the Riverhounds are. And maybe we're watching from Knoxville, right. Or maybe we're involved in social media and it's just growing the brand. Um, and so I think all of those opportunities are truly opportunities that we should be trying to seize and take advantage of. And let's face it. I don't think it's that hard. You know to put some signs up it's not that expensive there's plenty of opportunity there so i think you'll see that as you go forward now in the finished plans i think there's plenty of sort of built-in representation so it'll be a mix of that and then where we do some customized stuff i think between now and then and then once it opens we'll learn as we go sort of where traffic is and where we need to have some signage and how we can get people using montour to also come to highmark and become Riverhounds fans
0: We've talked a little bit, or I mean, we've danced around the, the notion of the academy and bringing players up and through. And so we'd be remiss to not bring up the fact that you were in Orange County when teenager Kobe Henry signed with Stade Durance in the, fir- in the French First Division. How does a deal like that happen? And, you know, should you, you've sort of like said it, but like, um, I just want to, you know, confirm, do you think the Riverhounds Academy's players should be excited that you're here because of that sort of deal that went down? Not making any promises, obviously, but like, yeah,
1: yeah. So I would, I would probably define my role first of all, just to not, to make sure expectations are correct. So I'm, you know, th- that relationship and a lot of our transfers in Orange County were exactly that were relationships with the European soccer market. And a lot of that came from our general manager, Oliver Vies, who honestly is a genius, right? We, we probably did not have the best team last year. We had the hottest team. Uh, and I think a lot of that was Oliver as the general manager putting that team together and the personalities he put together. We, have, we had you know, Orange County, it's one of the lower payrolls in the league, but it's still been competitive and won a championship and has now developed. Uh, I think we had five players that had been transferred uh, in the last two years or so while I was there. Honestly, a lot of that credit goes to Oliver. Um, I think my experience being a part of it, though, I think helps to open the door. I won't provide the, the relationships that Oliver will, but that's okay. Because in Pittsburgh, our relationships are pretty strong. And I think we've got a great opportunity with the relationships that are already here. I think where my expertise may come in is how we bridge the gap for families and for elite soccer players in the area to stay in Pittsburgh, to play in the academy and to understand what the opportunities are to play in the USL and eventually get to Europe or Mexico or maybe even the MLS and how that may be a better path for them than going to an MLS academy or going to the MLS directly. Um, and so I think I certainly can bring the understanding the value of creating that pathway. And I think that's what I'll work with the academy on and work with our coaching staff on is to make sure where can we seize those opportunities so that our best players are staying here and best players in the region are coming here to play in our academy and ultimately to play for our first team and to go from there. So I would not take too much credit for Kobe Henry and and how that went down, but being witness to it and being a part of it, uh, I think I certainly value that as part of an organization and how can we help to do some of that here?
2: Yeah. So at this point, we we have five regular season home games left. Uh, how much of what you're focused on is geared towards making changes for 2022 versus planning for improvements for 2023?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question because you want things to happen quickly, right? And you want to be able to sort of snap your fingers and put all these changes into place. Um, I think it's a, it's a, probably a delicate balance uh, because I will say that I'm trying not to try to do so much without some of the infrastructure being in place that we sort of crash and burn and don't do things well. I, I think it's very important that I, I'm okay doing a little bit less if we do those things really well, trying to do everything and not doing them very well, I think is a mistake. So I think it's we have to very carefully choose what we have enough time for, what we have the right infrastructure for, what we have the right staffing for so that we can do those things well and execute them well. I think those probably focus on the last four games. Um, you know, we've got some things in in, in mind for the thirty first. It's a Wednesday night. Uh, it's a challenging night to begin with, so we have to get pretty creative there. It'll be a, a very focused plan. But I think as we get into the last four games, we're trying to sort of ramp up the promotional schedule and what the value is. Uh, I've heard a rumor that on September tenth, dollar beers may be coming back. Oh so there there are, you know, some, some quick and easy fixes that I think we can do. And some of that will happen in 22, certainly. Um, and I'm very excited for what we can accomplish in in the offseason. In later in September, we're actually going away for a few days as a staff and starting to work on what 2023 looks like. Ideas, how do we get outside the box? How do we create some creative ideas? Things that have not been done here before. Um, how do we get people talking about coming to a Riverhounds game and what to expect and how much fun it is, whether you're a soccer fan or not. And I think you'll see more of that as we go into the off season, as we announce some of those things. And then you know, by the time we hit January, I think we'll be sort of fully out there with the schedule and a pretty robust idea of, of uh what we're going to be offering for 23. So it's a mix and match. I think some of the heavier stuff will be in 23, as you'd expect, but we are still working very hard on what's left of 22 in the regular season and then. You know, I'm counting on having home playoff games, so trying to make sure that we deliver on those games as well.
2: Here's the here's the no hope, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm planning for them. That's good. I mean, yeah. Uh, so we've commented a little bit already about how Highmark has been near or at capacity for a lot of games this season. We had um, uh, a question uh, from one of the uh, fans at halftime saying that, like, yeah, the, like Highmark seems more packed than normal like what do we think you know why, why do we think that's the case i mean you can comment on that maybe a little bit but for for a for a Highmark stadium that has been kind of maybe increasing in attendance i, I guess how do you continue to grow the fan base um thinking about like where we're at currently with like stadium capacity and fan you know ticket sales and all of that
1: I mean that's a very multi-layered, complicated question. You're welcome. Yeah. Think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think the best way to probably describe it is that there is there's the the external facing, there's the marketing. How do we go out and get people? Our sales effort, and at the end of the day, we're a we're a business. We're selling a product, and so we need to go out and sell the value of season tickets. We need to go out to sell the value of flex plans and group plans, and how do we get people to purchase and purchase early? And why is that a good idea so that's our outbound effort and then there's the inbound which is largely affected by marketing so what kind of marketing are we doing we've actually already tweaked our marketing in the two weeks that i've been here and we've seen some really good results we've started to head much more digital uh, and much more mobile friendly than maybe some of the things that we were doing earlier in the year which is not to say anything we were doing earlier is right or wrong. I think what you do at the beginning of the year and how you market in a much more broad brand awareness kind of way makes sense. I think at this point in the year uh, it's letting people know we have a game on this date and this is what's going on and here's how you buy a ticket and making it very easy for them. Um, And I think that's where we've really shifted as we've gone forward. There's a lot more to do on the marketing front and we're working very hard on that for these last four or five games and certainly the playoffs Um, on the The sort of outbound side, really, we are trying to put the staff in place so that we have a little bit more uh, outbound effort so that we are reaching out and sharing the value with local companies, with small businesses, with youth soccer clubs, with churches, with, you know, neighborhood organizations, you name it on the value of bringing your employees together for a night out, bringing your your congregation uh, out for a night of fellowship bringing your school out and and creating some pride and how do we create those memory and experiences for all those groups uh, and making sure that you can get 30 and 40 and 50 people out together to enjoy a game. You start to build fan base that way where, hey, they'll come out as a group and then maybe they come out later uh, on their own with their family um, and it starts to fill a third or a half of the stadium further in advance. It takes some of the risk away for us. So that's why season tickets might be discounted from what the gate price is and why groups may be, there might be benefits because it's in our best interest to sell those tickets earlier so that we're not, you know, if it rains, we don't have an empty stadium. Um, where if you're relying on the single game side, if you get bad weather on Friday or Saturday, people say, I'm not going to show up. It's, it's raining uh, and you, you're sort of subject to that risk. So I think it's trying to balance both sides of that. Um, the biggest challenge in my mind is ramping up the outbound side. I think the marketing side is actually coming pretty quickly and we're seeing great results. And honestly, that's a big part of, I think the success we've had the last couple of games has been some of those tweaks on the marketing side.
0: All interesting stuff. I'm just trying to like soak it all up. Um, We, uh, we pulled the, the, the fans once again um, about a week ago you we were asking specifically about the same topic where it's like, okay, we're seeing more and more people at Highmark. We've theorized for years. And I know we've had conversations with Tuffy at one point where we said, you know, will is Highmark ever gonna expand? Is there a chance that it could happen? And it's always been, well, there'll be a time and place for that. And so one of the the questions that we just sort of threw out there, and I know you, you've seen this before, we just said, imagine that Highmark grows and expands. What feature would you most like to see added? Assuming that there's already a bathroom under the Paul Child section, which you've already said <laughs> you've looked into, we're considering it. And, uh, and 29% of people said a larger team store for, Forty-two percent set a roof over the stands, and then we also had more concessions and others. Some of the others were like a standing room only section and things like that. So, just curious—I I don't expect a definitive answer of you saying that we're putting a roof over the stands, but just like when you hear feedback like that, is what 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 do you think of stuff sure. like that?
1: I will tell you that it's all great feedback, and that. Three of those four, I didn't have a lot of other conversations today, but three of those four, I actually had legitimate conversations about all of those. Um, we talked about, oh, Wait, no, hold a, up,
0: a, hold up. Three of those four. So like right. now I'm like trying to guess which one you didn't discuss. We didn't um, talk
1: about other, okay. <laughs> no, we talked, uh, <laughs> I
0: actually met with our, uh,
1: our merchandise staff and we talked about the size of the store and the layout of the store. Sweet. Uh, it is a, it is a tight squeeze. Um, you know, is there a major construction project around the corner to build out the store? Probably not, but are there more places where we could add merchandise and and make it easier and more accessible and how we sort of package it and price it and some different things. So we talked about that today. We had a conversation about um, what it would take to add a roof over the stands, not over the field, not a dome or anything, but you know, something over the grandstand, uh, oh, uh, to create, you know, some shade and some cover, um, not out of the question, not happening in the next month, but, right, right. but a, a legitimate conversation and something that was brought up today. And we had a real conversation about it. Uh, and certainly concessions. I mean, you know, all of these things are touch points and your experience is made up of all those things. And so the food that you smell, the food that you eat, what you see, all of those different senses are make up your experience. And so I think food and the experience of food and drink is, is extremely important to the overall experience. We've got some challenges with the footprint of the stadium. There's not a ton of room to do a lot within the fence. Um, you know, there's some opportunity on the road that, that we own now. And so, you know, there's some opportunity to do things there. We've already started to expand out into the parking lot a little bit. We've talked a lot about the corner next to the the bleachers there with that has some storage containers in it and some net storage. We've talked about what to do with that space. I think we really have to do a good job of using any and all of the space that we have. And all of those are completely legitimate. It's good to hear them reinforced by fans that that's what they're thinking about too because those are all things that I've picked up on and our staff has picked up on and we've had those conversations. So I don't have a definitive, you know, 90-day plan for when we're going to start on expanding the store. But those conversations are happening, and I don't think any of them are impossible. Um, You know, I would think the most likely are tweaks to our merchandise and concessions. The roof, I think, is a little bit longer out. And that might be, you know, two years, maybe more into the future. But it's out there, as well as expanding the stadium and wrapping the stadium around and creating, I guess I would describe it kind of as a horseshoe to the to the river and to the city. And I think there's some room to do that as well. So that's a few years off. We have to consistently be selling out, I think, before we get to that point. But Tuffy and I have already talked about it. So it's, it's uh, ongoing conversations and all within the realm of future possibility.
0: Man, you've been busy. I love it. Um, what, what, <laughs> what questions do you have for the fans? Like, How can the fans help you do what you do? Um, and it seems like all of the work that you're cramming into the few hours that I'm sure that you have.
2: Yeah, more I, polls, Mike. There's more Twitter polls just there. <laughs> no, that's
1: that's kind of what I was going to say. I mean, honestly, it's at games grab me and nicely and and pull me aside <laughs> and let's talk and I want to listen and tell me what you want and tell me what you like and tell me what you don't like and I won't take it personally and you know, I, I take it all as constructive criticism. If you've had a bad experience, let me know. My email is Jeff at highmarkstadium.com. My phone number is 814-312-8754. Call my cell phone, text me, email me, and tell me if you've had a bad experience, or give me an idea, reach out to me on social media, whatever it may be. I think that's probably the most valuable thing that I can offer is communication. And I the answer isn't always going to be yes, we can do that, no problem. But we can certainly always listen. And when there's opportunities to make things great, then that's what we're here to do is to try to do that. So the biggest thing I would have is let me know, don't be quiet. Don't go away and never come back. Right. Don't have a bad experience and go home and say that was awful and never come back. Call me, text me, email me, reach out and say, I had a bad experience. You've, you may have noticed more surveys and more uh, feedback opportunities going out after games. Take the time. We've made them short on purpose. It's three to five minutes probably, and let us know, because all of that information is usable. And I realize that if we ask those questions, and then we don't do anything with it, you'll stop answering us, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that we, we have to take action on those things. And like I said before, we can't do everything, right? We have limitations. And I think everybody understands that. But I think as long as we're making an effort, and people are seeing improvement, and we're continuing to improve the experience, I think most people tend to feel pretty good about that and, and support what we're doing and say at least we're trying to make the experience the best we can. So that's what I would say is probably the most valuable thing is, is communicating with me, with our staff. I won't give out their cell phones, but um, <laughs> just letting us know when there's issues and giving us a chance to fix it and make it better. Um, and then when things are great, you know, Pat, you don't have to do it to me, but pat our staff on the back or say, hey, great job. We had a great time tonight. Those things are are encouraging and helpful. Our staff puts in a ton of hours, a ton of work. We probably spend more time together than we do with our families. Uh, we, may pro- we may actually spend more time with our fans than we do with some of our families. And so that means a lot when they get quality feedback. And so feel free to put that in a survey too. We point that out in meetings. We talk about it. We celebrate those things as well. So yeah, just keep, keep talking to us.
0: All fantastic stuff. I absolutely love it. And we want to be respectful of your time. So I want to want to wrap up here with one last question. You spent three years at Orange County. Where would you like to see the hound? You know, based on your exposure you've had so far, where would you like to see the hounds in two to three years? You mentioned that consistency, all of that. If you could like wave a magic wand in three years, where would you, where would you like to see things?
1: Wow. That's why it's the last question. It'll take up the yep. rest of, of the time. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've got so many thoughts at this point early on um, and still trying to figure out what's doable and you know, sort of where our limitations are. Right now, in my mind, everything's doable. Um, on the field, I would love to see a championship. That's such a great experience, not only for our staff and for our, our players and our coaches, but for our fans, I mean, it means so much to all of us. It was great to be a part of that last year, and I can't wait to be a part of it here Um, off the field. I think continuing to see improvement to continue to see sold out games, uh, to continue to add on to what we're doing at the stadium, whether that's, you know, great experiences and promotions and fun things, or whether that's actual physical improvements at the stadium. I think getting Montour open and seeing tournaments and seeing the growth of the academy and hopefully being able to see some players that come through the academy playing for our first team, uh, I think that's a, a great goal to have in front of us too. And ultimately, to see the very best of those players going uh, on to the next step uh, after leaving the Riverhounds and playing at the highest levels of global soccer and and ending up in Europe and saying, "Hey, that's a product of the Riverhounds Academy and of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds Soccer Club." So. Um, I think those are the top level things. Um, There's a million little things that I think as we continue to get better every single day, focus on the details, you know, I would love to get to the point where, um, you know, after each game, it's a list of all the great positive experiences we had. And right now, you know, we're still sort of writing down all the things we need to improve. And I'm I'm sure that will continue because that's the type of sort of attitude we have is we can always get better, we can always improve. But I think we can get to a point where, you know, what a great night, packed house, great experience, team gets a win, people leave happy. Um, that's a place that I, I can't wait to get to. And, and I've, I've gotten to those points in a few different places, um, but I can't wait to really sit down and enjoy that time here over the next seven, eight, nine, 10 years that I'm here.
0: Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Jeff, as I mentioned, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you are active on social media. We've actually had a, comp- a couple people come to us and be like, you know, we have presidents on social media. This is so cool. Um, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you on social media because they absolutely need to follow you.
1: Generally, I'm most active on Twitter, Jeff Garner 23 So feel free to follow and, and interact. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I will admittedly say I'm not quite as active on Instagram. I I look more than I act probably on Instagram, but I'm trying to do better. Uh, So I think that's Hounds Prez or Hounds SC Prez. So you can check me out there. I've avoided Facebook for all these years, so you will not find me there. And uh, I'm not very active as a poster on TikTok, but I'm definitely on TikTok. That's like my favorite. So it's fantastic. Um, But yeah, no, feel free, you know, stop me at the stadium, reach out on social media. and if you want to see more, uh, you know, sort of social engagement, then, uh, you know, please let me know and we'll come up with some creative ways to do that. So and I appreciate you guys having me on today. In fact, I appreciate the fact that you, you host the podcast and you do this. You spread the word of the River Riverhounds uh, and certainly support all the things that we're trying to do. Um, and hopefully our responsibility is to reciprocate that, and continue to give you guys a good atmosphere and, and a good experience. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: No, absolutely. And I guess the first chance that some of these fans, well, I shouldn't say the first, but one of the first chances that some of these fans are going to get a chance to interact with you this Saturday, you're going to be at Mike's sports bar watching the game at 7 p.m., correct?
1: Absolutely. I will be there. So come ready to chat. I can't wait to meet some people that I maybe haven't met at matches yet. Uh, Hopefully we uh, get a win on the road have a few beers, hang out. It'll be nice and, and casual and enjoyable. So please stop by. It'd be great to meet everybody. Um, we'll be there. I'll probably be there a little bit before seven. So uh, stop by. Be a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great. We really, really appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Jeff. And thank you everybody for listening. We will talk to you very, very soon.